1: hello hello podcast listener you random podcast listener you and also hello to John Locke Craig Bait and Goohead you fantastic top-tier patrons uh, a few quick things about this episode uh, this uh, is we're calling this a patreon sampler Patreon sampler. meaning uh, there this is just a portion of what you would get if you were a patron over at patreon.com slash long may you young um, we interviewed Adam C.K. Volick, who works with Neil a lot. Um, he's an artist, uh, a visual artist. He, uh, he's a really, really cool guy, um, as you'll hear in the interview. Uh, you can find out more of his stuff at adamckvolick.com. But I also wanted to do this little preamble because uh, this is a Zoom interview, and like all Zoom interviews we have, there are weird audio issues because of spotty Wi-Fi or whatever. So there are... I do apologize for parts where the audio cuts out and then it speeds up like a Micro Machines commercial. Um, It's annoying, but I think uh, I I was able to cut out the majority of them. The ones I left in, I felt like it was necessary. But anyway, this is a portion of our interview with Adam C.K. Volick. Enjoy. If you want to hear the rest, head over to patreon.com slash longmayyouyoung. Oh, and... Uh, one more thing. This podcast right now is sponsored by Tiesta Tea. Head over to uh and you'll be able to find out uh, about all their products, all their teas. They got great flavors. Uh, they're on a mission to create loosely loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Uh, they're a great company and we're happy to have them sponsor us. They got matchas, they got relaxers. Um, and if you use the promo code, promo code YOUNG15, you'll uh, be able to get uh 15 discount off over there so head over there grab some stuff use our promo code oh yeah and uh one last thing if you are a patron you were probably expecting your back to the future 2 episode it is coming as well as a show we're doing called nails does nils <laughs> uh, if you know you know we're also gonna hit more of the archives we're gonna cover some ben keith stuff it's gonna be great join the patreon i'm rambling now let's hit the intro This is our Neil Young podcast where we mostly talk out of our ass While going through the works of Mr. Young It's Mike Shue and the Condon Boys, Trans and Harvest and Lenoise We're gonna sit and listen to each one what's up adam
2: hey how's it going good how are you
1: man good good we're just working out some kinks because i lost a two and a half hour episode
2: a week ago i, I listened to the the americana replacement episode the other day <laughs> what i was getting into and that's always a bummer
1: oh yeah <laughs> how you doing adam good her. all right um yeah, I got everything good over here, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm good not, on this end. It says it's recording, too. I'm not super worried. I think it was just a fluke because it updated on my computer, so I'm not super worried. Okay. Um, and Russ should be popping in soon, unless he forgot, which is not unlike Russ. So, Or he thought we were doing it at 11.30 tonight, which will be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: I call you Adam or just Adam CK? I mean, do but, I, do I throw the CK in
2: there also? Um, uh, you know, my, my mom calls me Adam, uh, <laughs> when I was working on Lanoise, uh, I always sign my, uh, my initials to my name when I, you know, sign and stuff formally and Neil asked on, after one of my emails with him, I like, why the CK? I was like, it's my grandfather's initials, uh, Clayton and Kenneth and, uh, and, you know, I appreciate a lot where I come from, so that's why I, um, I always sign that. And he's like, "Well, from now on, I'm going to call you CK." And so, <laughs> everybody in the Neil world calls me CK. Um, and it's funny—I met my wife through working with him. Um, she was his road chef, and, uh, um, you know, when we started dating, she was calling me CK. And before she came to meet my parents the first time, I was like. Hey, can you just call me Adam? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, so you, yeah, you so can call me whatever you want but late for dinner. Okay.
0: <laughs> Getting in good with Neil is not an easy job. And uh what
2: was Lanois the first time you worked with him? Uh yeah. Yeah, um at the time working with Daniel Lanois for mm-hmm. a number of years at that point, um and uh I had Daniel was being managed by Elliot Roberts at the time. Okay. That, uh, Lenois came to be. And I had made these, uh, one take films for Daniel's project called black dub, Where mm-hmm. basically I circumnavigated the whole studio and it was the same house, um, that he lived in and worked in, you know, as is his MO. Um, and when Elliot showed those films to Neil, uh, Neil had always wanted to work with Daniel and Daniel had always wanted to work with Neil. And now they had this common bridge. So Neil said, well, I want to make a record with Daniel and uh, I want that Canadian kid who made those films to to shoot it. <laughs> so at that time I was just the Canadian kid. I guess that's CK. You know. That's what the CK <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that's how it came to be. So that was like, I think I, got the call from Daniel around just before Christmas or something, December of that year, uh, of Oh nine. And then I went down in January to LA, uh, cause I'm from up in Canada. And then, uh, we started to do some testing and I pulled out my handy dandy notebook today to just see, um, oh, wow. refresh my memory. And it looks like, I flew down uh, in March of that year uh, of 010 to start testing about three weeks before Neil walked into the, the studio for the first full moon. Wow, that's wild. Nice,
0: That's so and cool. And that, that house is
2: unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the, the whole audio setup he has with that whole pipe organ, it was like a pipe organ setup, right? But it, like the pipes were in the walls in the basement.
2: Well, no, that's his regular old pump organ. There is a there is a pipe organ built into that house. Yeah, whoever whoever built that back in the '30s uh, was uh, was serious, (laughs) right? And and so there is, to my knowledge, it never it wasn't functioning during my tenure. But yeah, the, the console for it's there and the bellows come up. There's big grates on the wall yeah. uh, that I think we see maybe a little bit of in uh, Someone's Gonna Rescue You. Anyways, whenever we do the reverse, uh, you see where they where the sound comes out of there, but we, we didn't use any of that. Oh, you awesome. know, that house,
0: the way you filmed it and the, the way the whole Lenois film is presented you know, there's a lot of, it's to me personally, there's a lot of like ghost imagery, you know, the way the the effects are on the camera. There's Sometimes there's that kind of fluttering thing and you see a bit of someone, it may have been Daniel or Neil or someone else just kind of appearing and disappearing. (laughs) And so it has this like ghost-like quality to it. And it reminds me of the house. To me, that made it like the house in that movie, The Haunting, the original one from the 60s. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could add the black and white to that. And is there was that was that something you guys were thinking of like maybe whoever built that that system in the house for that organ and who whoever owned that house before did did like considering the spirit of the house or what was already in that house
2: come into play when you guys were were making lenois well i mean uh daniel you know the vibe of the place is omnipresent uh, no matter where you go and it influences what you do. And that's been Dan's mode of operation and uh, forever. And it's why he's lived in that place for, gee, I don't know. Um, he had it for at least five years before I started with him in 06. So he's been there a long time and, uh, and it influences everything that happens there. The, the acoustics, all the wood, the, the, the concrete nature of it. Um, and um, I, uh it's not something that we were consciously like, hey, we're going to make this. It's just how it, it turned out. Um, we, of course, like Daniel, Mark Howard, and I um, lived in the place the whole time we were making the record. And so we hear the creaks in the night and stuff like that. Maybe subconsciously it impacted us. Uh, but, you know, a part of there's like a serendipitous a lot with me where I do a lot of shit because I don't know why. I just feel compelled to do it. And then we figure out why it's useful later. And so we were able to set up a recording setup in many different rooms within the house for testing purposes. And I time-lapsed the entire property, every room, you know, for 24-hour periods to, to see when the light was going to be best because we just, we wanted, you know, we knew we were only going to get a take or two with the man and we wanted to be like, okay, well now we need to go over to this room and we have like a, you know, a 40 minute window or a 20 minute window in here where it's just amazing. Um, Because we didn't want there to be much artificial about it. Like at one point in one of my notes here today, I saw one man, one mic, one light was Uh one of my notes we just wanted to keep it incredibly simple. And, uh, I think Neil made mention of this at some point, you know, like, uh, uh, I said solo, they said acoustic or something like that. We thought we, we were operating under the assumption that we're making an acoustic record. And then, um, on the second day, uh, we cut an electric tune, the first version of the hitchhiker that didn't make the finish line we shot during the day. And, uh, another after and we're like um well why don't we do some more electric tunes (laughs) that was awesome (laughs) yeah yeah i i will say so
1: i we should actually properly introduce who we're talking to this is andrew ck volick uh he worked he filmed lenoise um and a bunch of other projects for neil as well including hometown you worked on paradox you were there for mountaintop i believe oh yeah um, and, uh, so when we were on the Lanois episode, I was saying, and I rewatched it again last night, it really makes you, it brings a whole new life to that album. Um, and Mike, I, I was going to bring up the house too, because it, there's a vibe to the, to the whole being able to see it as it, as it goes. It feels like, uh, like Neil was like fighting ghosts or something like that. And, and, uh, there was, it was loneliness, but he was fighting that loneliness and then, in the video, it starts with him talking about trying to find a song that's right on the edge of his mind, and he says he feels like he might have missed it for 40 years, and then it goes right into uh, a song that he plays twice on the the, the movie, but mm-hmm. it's not on the album at all, which, what's it called? You Never Call about L.A. Mm-hmm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And holy shit is that <laughs> like heart-wrenchingly – good he does the first he does it acoustic and that's great and then it goes right into the the to walk with me and it's fucking awesome and then he does it halfway through again on that organ and it's just this heart-wrenching man that the video just i don't know i'm rambling here but i really appreciate that what you did for that album especially for me man i was you did a fucking great job
2: yeah and you know like not a lot of people saw it they did this weird thing where they put it out on youtube first um (laughs) and uh I you know like I've met a number of fans because I also uh, shoot with them when he's on the road and so I get so to interface cool. with people in the in the front row and stuff and you know like there's Neil Young fans are friendly folks and so you get ta- you get chatting and they're like oh who are you oh Adam C K well like oh oh you made lenois and I was like yeah but how? I have no idea there's a film that goes along with Lenoise. and uh, you know selfishly I. Kind of feel like it completes the the picture, you know, and especially the the version of the film that you're referencing. Like when we put it, when we put out the film initially, it was the same 38 minutes that the record is. And oh. just before just before Elliot passed a couple of summers ago, um, Neil came to me and said, "Hey, I want to do an extended version of this. Put on anything, put anything in there that you think is good." Oh. So I went back and I looked at everything again. And uh, I was like, this, that little piece of documentary footage that I shot when I was scared as hell and, like, trying to <laughs> hang back the first day, um, uh, I was like, well, that's so poignant. And then, of course, in that period of time, nobody really spoke about it, but those couple of those songs on the record are about losing Larry and losing Briggs, and, and uh, it was him processing all of that. And Ben too, right? Didn't Ben pass away right around there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. There's an immediacy and like uh, a bit of um, uh, nostalgia and maybe some anger that, uh, you know, all the, all those stages of grieving, I think are, are present in, um, in that record and, you know, to listen to something, you can see it in your mind, but to, see it performed exactly as it was performed there's like another layer of resonance like i'm you know the hair of my arm is standing up right now (laughs) because i'm going back you know
1: oh Uh, Uh, that's awesome (laughs) i'm I'm getting goosebumps too man this is great (laughs) so so you you mentioned
0: that you know there's a lot there was a lot it seemed like he was processing a lot because a lot had happened to him emotionally and stuff And, and daniel lanois had said um that Neil came to him with a bunch of songs already. And Daniel said, no, I don't want any of this. Let's talk, let's do some music about what you're going through right now. Mm-hmm. And did you, did you have, do you have like uh, any other observations on the, on the making of that? Like, was that something that Neil was receptive to at first or, Or was he like okay fine because it seems like on this record he gives daniel full production credit it seems like he kind of stepped back and let other people kind of take the reins a little bit well you
2: know it was a little bit like um if you've ever seen uh like a couple of grizzly bears meet in the wild Not that I've been present for it, but I imagine. This must be a Canadian thing, but they kind of like, you know, they're seeing what each other's made of. And um, I don't want, I can't really speak for either of them, but being present for it, I think there's a a mutual respect in uh, you're a giant, I'm a giant. If you feel like you're going to, you have something to say, I'm going to listen. And likewise. And it was a, it was a back and forth. I think that, um, you know, uh, like I said, he, he was missing Briggs who um, is, is referenced all of the time in all of the sessions that I've ever been around. And I wish I had a chance to, to meet the man because mm-hmm. he sounds like he was ever, ever, every much is bit entertaining and hard-assed and uh it was probably like living on the edge just being around the guy because Mm. you never knew which guy you were gonna get but i'm only it's that's purely conjecture you know um but yeah it definitely evolved from like there was there was tunes that were um you know maybe on the touchier feelier side and daniel once we did hitchhiker was like I want to feel I want to feel that, you know, Mm. from him. And um, so he went away and we didn't we didn't record walk with me until the second full moon. Um, And uh, it was one of the first things we did when he came back in the studio. And of course, that guitar sound and the white falcon in stereo and everything, it was just like, what else did we really need? They put the subharmonic synthesizer on the low end and then they put some bass pedals on and it sounds like your stare, your speakers are ripping apart or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love oh, that. Man.
1: I fucking love hearing this. This is like getting me. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. So Adam, were you, I'm assuming you were a Neil fan before you worked with him,
2: right? Oh yeah. I'm from Canada. So he's like everybody's uncle. <laughs> what's your, what's your go-to Neil? Um, Man, I'm a, I'm a, sappy love song kind of guy so like um i i danced with my wife uh, when we got home from our little wedding ceremony to harvest moon oh
1: nice um
2: uh and i like a lot of the weird shit uh, the shocking pinks uh oh boy. stuff <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> and uh i did a bunch of work on the link vault project for a number of years so we pulled some deep cuts uh like um, stuff that I don't even think had been released at the time, but there's like a, a version of "You Got a Problem" from the Solo Trans tour that is one of my favorite things in the really? whole wide world. Okay. Um. So, I you know, it's hard to say. Like, I have a a Neil kind of mood uh, playlist that is about. <laughs> 40 hours long and I'll just put it on. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. Probably uh,
1: not. (laughs) Yeah. He's
0: got enough. Yeah. But like
2: worlds collide and uh, stuff from the Chrome dreams, you know, like I I love it all really. Um, Yeah. The the weird symphonic stuff, some of the new things uh, I really, you know, because they, I hear them so much. They're like earworms that just I'll be, singing songs to my daughter and be changing words to, uh, do meal <laughs> materials.
1: Oh yeah. Congratulations. You, you, Thanks. uh, just
2: had a baby. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very Congrats. exciting. It's, uh, eight weeks, Oof. uh, should be two months in a couple of days on Monday. Yeah. That's
0: Are you awesome. getting any
2: sleep? Yeah. You know, it's getting a little better. Um, it depends on the night though. You know, we'll have like a couple of great days and be like feeling it. And then, um, and then all of a sudden it was just, go to hell. It's like, she'll have a nap too late in the day or something. It's alchemy. We're not, we're not sure how it works out, but she's the boss for sure. Right. Right. Well, Luke's got five kids. So I can't even imagine. I just have,
0: I have a daughter. She's 17 now. So all she does is sleep when I want her to be awake.
3: Uh, And she never
0: slept (laughs) when I wanted her to sleep when she was little, but you know, Luke's a superhero. He's done Uh. this. Lot I don't of know.
2: Times. How, yeah. how what age range, Luke? Uh 16
1: down to 4. 16, wow. 14, 12, 8 and 4 and it is <laughs> every day is a nightmare. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I, it's <laughs> but it's a beautiful nightmare. I love it yeah. and I uh hate it at the same time. I, I enjoy it while they're young, especially a girl. The I don't Mike, I don't know about you, but the teenage girl is just hard to it's just really hard. It's hard to navigate. I don't well, know. Well, I have a well,
2: teenager from a previous marriage who's now oh, okay. 12. Oh, okay. And she, uh, dream child in all respects, but the attitude is starting to happen. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. Just to like a simple question, you get this yeah. snide. Uh, I'm like, what did I do? Are you going to shib me told. or something? <laughs> it's, it's a mystery, <laughs> right? You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. I always say, I always that's her mother's. She gets her (laughs) attitude problem from her mother. That's what I always say. Definitely
1: not true for you, Mike.
0: So you, you've worked on, um, you know, it was Lanois at first, and then you've kind of stayed with Neil. You've earned his trust. There's not, I don't think there's a lot of people. I mean, I can think (laughs) of the names of the people we mentioned that have passed on, but then there's people like Larry Cragg. you know, people he stuck with for Mm -hmm. a while and, and, what has Neil ever told you it's because you worked with Jonathan Demme too, right on, on those films and, Mm -hmm. and, and with Daryl Hannah and paradox. And, and has Neil ever said, you know, uh, you know, I like you, I want you to come back because
2: well, um, during the making of the he said something to me. He's like, uh, you know, GK, you're, you're a great DP. Um, uh, You're like a, you're like a spirit in the room. You feel that you're there, but you know that uh, you're not there to fuck with you. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of sums it up. I think it's like, um, I'm a sensitive guy and when I, when I'm really there, when I'm really present, I'm, I'm not serving anything else other than the moment you know, I can kind of have that out of body. You know, I'm not like a paparazzi guy who's like, Oh, I'm going to sell this for $15,000. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. no, I'm like, I want to feel every vibration here and honor it It, because I know it's fleeting. It'll never be the same again. And uh, I just want to make sure that there's a a proper record of that. And it's what scored me my role with Daniel Lanois prior to, And ongoingly, like I still, still work with Daniel, although uh, not as, not as much. Um, And with Neil, you know, like, I think that he was going to be dragging me along, Uh, but late in the process, I think we had just finished shooting the uh, I'm going to rescue you and stuff. Like we had a session after Daniel crashed his motorcycle in the middle of making the noise um, that we recorded the last couple of tunes Uh, at and then there was like neil was already touring um this and other stuff and there was a rehearsal in oakland at the fox theater so i was leaving with them to go and shoot the rehearsal because we didn't know if we'd need uh any other b-roll or live versions of things or whatever and uh as we're walking down the driveway elliot turned around and looked back up at at uh Daniel and said see you later you're never gonna see him again oh, <laughs> oh my gosh and Neil was or Elliot was always joking um, you know as much of a badass like as he was he always had this fantastic sense of humor and I think he was partly joking but partly kind of knew uh, that I was gonna be along for the ride for for some time and you know I've I've spent a lot of time with them, uh, in, in private situations. And I, I, I feel like Neil's besides being a hero, he's also like sort of like a, a fatherly figure to me. Um, I've gone to him at times when I just need like real advice about stuff and he gives it to you straight, as you can imagine he would. And so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of love, uh, in the air. And I think, you know, friend friendship and all of that stuff. Um, so I can't remember what the question was, but
0: <laughs> well, it's like why why do you think Neils has has
1: uh entrusted you? I've I've you know, never that, been that more was, that was
0: the original question.
1: I've never <laughs> been more jealous of a human in my life than hearing Adam <laughs> talk about Neil, the way evangelicals talk about praying to God. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a
0: follow up to that. Um, so Neil has, you know, his 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 thing is once I walk in the studio, the tape should be rolling mm-hmm. constantly. Did he say something like that to you as far as like uh, the filming part went? Is like just keep rolling it.
2: Well, um, I somehow that I knew that in advance of him showing up for Lenoise, but that was kind of always my mo to begin with, anyways, because. You know, it's other people, um, other people miss important moments because they aren't rolling because the real important moments happen before and after cuts usually, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the uh, inciting for inclusive statement or whatever. So I was just like, tape is cheap at the time. It was, it was digital recording. So, you know, hard drive space is cheap, just roll on it you got to have shit to get shit and um so if you if you didn't didn't cut it even if even if it's off camera and all you can hear is you do is hear it and it's a shot of some cables or something just superimpose something else use an exterior shot whatever you know it's like but you can't make that up you can't be like hey can you just um say that again right <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we know. That'll be natural. Yeah. We know. We, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did, you, did you hear them. that, Luke? Did yes. you hear what he just said there? Shut Always, up. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, honest to God, I could listen to you talk about art all day long. It's actually, like, inspiring me a little bit. Um, how did you get into, like, art as a visual medium, into, like, videography and stuff like that?
2: Well, I was a, I was a kid, and uh, I think it started as, like, I was a baby in my crib, i uh i have early visual memories of like the sun set on a like this mickey mouse towel that hung in my window as a as an infant but you know and then my mom worked shift work as a nurse so it'd be going to my grandmother's house early in the morning sitting in the back seat of their monte carlo and i noticed that headlights on from oncoming cars you know in in the winter mornings if i squinted i could change the shape of like the star pattern that formed um Uh and uh and and then when i was about six uh i was at a yard sale and i i found this little camera that took flash cubes and held it up to my face and Know, I gave the lady a quarter for it. And then it took disc film, which you had to get at the local, um, like, I lived in a small town, so you got everything from Economy Fair, which was like a glorified kind of dollar store before Dollaramas uh, invaded America. <laughs> and uh, and and then when I got to high school, it was like there was actually classes in it. So a, a friend of mine who was older invited me into the darkroom one day, and I saw a print come up in developer, and I was like, this is magic i'm you know frustrated by my inability to draw but i can take pictures so i just like everything in my life i deep dove and i like learned the zone system and then went to college but was bored there so i i kind of knew everything they were teaching me so i started working in studios and uh and that led me to meeting uh, at post college. I was working for a uh, portrait photographer in Hamilton, Ontario, because he had all this cool digital equipment but didn't know how to use it. So I fixed a lot of his mistakes, and then I'd photograph in the music scene. Uh, like I had friends who were in bands and stuff, and um, so I was making pictures. And then I met uh, Daniel's brother Bob, um, okay, who is a was it like a. Kind of a the bigger tech nerd in their partnership than anything. He built their first studio from scratch. Uh, like he was an electronics wizard, but he was also a great photographer and kind of psychedelic artist. So he saw the crazy weird shit I was making, and we became instant friends. And then, um, and then their older brother Ron. Passed away of leukemia, and they had a wake for him where uh, all the family came in from Quebec, and because uh, they're French Canadian, and I was hired to, of the wake, just people having a good time in the backyard, dining, singing songs, all that kind of stuff, and that was around the time Daniel was putting out Belladonna, okay, um, and he had had some press photos taken that he didn't like so much. But he saw this book that Bob's uh, partner put together of the photographs I took, and thought, "Well, this guy's got an eye, and he's got a sense of the sense of the moment. Come and shoot some photos for me." So, like, I went to his loft in Toronto, and we hung out for it was supposed to be like an hour, and we ended up spending the day together and drinking whiskey, and smoking hash, and talking about philosophy and stage show design and all that stuff. So couple of weeks go by i send down the results of uh of the photographs that we took and uh another couple of weeks roll by because he's a busy guy he's always got to have an assistant show him stuff or whatever so his assistant finally showed him the work we did together and he called me up hey adam it's dan um yeah i really love what you did uh remember we talked about a stage well I've got this album premiere in a month in New York. Uh, Do you want to come to LA and uh, and work on something for me? And at the time I had like, the shitty studio I was working at in Hamilton, the guy was bouncing my paychecks. So I went to install security systems with a friend of mine in like warehouses. I'd been doing it for like a couple of weeks. And uh, I was like, well, do you want me to come to LA for a month and work with stuff I've never used before? Yeah, it'll be fun. (laughs) So uh, I quit my job. Uh, oh, a couple of days later, I was on a plane to L.A. I got there. He was finishing up a dashboard confessionals record. Okay, uh, I'm listening. With that guy. Um, so they were down in the basement working on that stuff. And I was shown to this room upstairs full of video equipment I've never seen before. And I was just like knee deep in manuals trying to figure, figure it out. He had a bunch of stuff that he had done. And, and uh, so I became a filmmaker by accident. I, I, I had the aesthetic skills, but not the technical ones. So a couple of years later, I documented him making a record with like Garth Hudson and Tony Garnier and Brian blade and stuff called here's what is that we subsequently made a documentary for that was at the Toronto film festival. And uh, it's embarrassing for me to watch today because I had no idea. I was at the helm of this technical, like, putting a, <coughs> a film together for TIFF. And it's wrought with technical problems. But it's got a ton of vibe in it. And I, you know, I learned. I'm, you know, I've gotten a handle on uh, all the things I didn't know about. And now I've, I think I can call myself a filmmaker even though I'm, you know, came at it from a complete outsider's uh, way of doing it. That's the long answer to that question. We called well, the- I
0: was going to ask, you know, who who's the, like, the director you look to, or what, you know, who's the filmmaker, you know, that you look to that inspiration, but I guess you just kind of, like you just said, <laughs> you weren't even looking to get into making films. You know, but now that you've you've got this experience, I mean, is you know who who do you look to to you know as as a director? Whose work do you look at?
2: Well, um, you know, my my personal artwork. I been, like to investigate the nature of time and our experience of that because I feel like it's like this blanket that we all kind of pull over, but it's not really there. It's like. <coughs> we're experiencing it like at the edge of a wavefront. so the the stuff like that christopher nolan does um i i really admire uh what he's been doing from the very beginning adam Uh, i want to get high with you so bad
1: (laughs) well (laughs) it's funny
2: i i brought it i was like testing my microphone and stuff and my computer when i fired up zoom was like you're slow on space <laughs> to avoid interruptions on your zoom call makes some space so i i brought down my little piece of hash and stuff here i was gonna <laughs> get high if i had a minute but <laughs> i'm talking too much coughing now
1: there's always a minute to get high on long <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh, okay
2: cool yeah <laughs> um but uh, to finish answering that question um uh michelle gondry i really love his work um Recently, I really enjoyed his series that he he executive produced and um, and was also um, uh, directed a few of the episodes called Kidding with Jim Carrey. Do you guys know know this? Series? Oh, no, I've, I've never it. watched that. I've seen like the trailer for it. Yeah. yeah. It looks it's good. It's incredible. Incredible. Uh, the, check it out. The premise and the execution is just very imaginative and um, and super entertaining uh I can't say enough good things about that
1: so he he he's the guy that did uh eternal sunshine right yeah, okay, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: okay yeah, and of course, uh, you know, having worked with with demi, um, who I was a fan of before I knew him um, but getting to work with him uh, he was such uh such a fantastic leader, um, he just embraced the talent, the talented people that he had worked with him. And I've met a number of other fantastic operators and DPs and uh, even his assistants were, were magical, but he, he was like, you know, just do what you do. I, I love what you do. Just, just feel free to chase the muse and do that. And
1: that's awesome.
2: So I've employed in, in the little bit of directing that I've done, I try and do the same thing where it's like, and trust people that, you know, nothing pisses a creative person off more than being micromanaged. Mm. You know, it's like, I'm going to tell you how to think and how to feel and you're just going to have to do that or I'm going to be really angry with you. And that's (laughs) nonsense. You know, um, we all have, you know, things to bring to the table and a team, um, team it, it it's bigger than the sum of its parts and i learned uh the first feature that i uh that i dp'd about after the first week of shooting we had a, a party because we were you know living and working in this location house the whole crew and everything but we had a party after about a week and everybody got loose you know a few drinks a, barbecue all that stuff and we started to hear stories about oh you've done this you're a steady cam on that what do you think about and i think before any production now you should have a party uh (laughs) because people really get to know one another and you get to know people's strengths and weaknesses and uh and then going forward it's like there's this camaraderie that comes from knowing someone like a friend that you don't want to let them down um, hmm. and they don't want to let you down. I, 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 grew up playing hockey. So, you know, there's a bit of that, uh, Whoa, whoa, sentimentality.
1: Whoa, whoa, A Canadian who grew up playing hockey? Yeah. Are you serious? It's
2: like, like it's like a religion. <laughs> oh,
1: no, you... <laughs>
2: Absol- absolutely. Absolutely. Who's your team? You know, funny enough, I don't really, I can't watch it on TV. Oh, okay. uh, and I've never really been a, a fan of anybody in particular. Now, my grandfather is probably rolling over in his grave because he was like such a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan that he'd fall asleep watching a game. And if he tried to change the channel, he'd wake up and <laughs> <laughs> freak out. But um, yeah, I just, it's not a, it's, I, I have such a visceral uh, memory of playing the game that, seeing it in two dimensions on a little screen. Right. Just, I'll watch, right. I'll watch the Stanley cup final or whatever, but uh, you know, I'd rather go and watch a game in person, the local junior team or something if I have time for that, but that's few and far between these days.
1: <laughs> I've never, I've never played hockey, believe it or
2: not. How about just ice skated on ice skates?
1: I've, I've ice skated on skates twice and I fell so many times that I thought I, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> <It hurt laughs> yeah. My
2: ass. Yeah, there's a there's a callus that you have to build up yeah. first.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs>
2: like playing an instrument, you know.
1: Mike, you must have ice skated. You grew up near Pittsburgh, right?
0: No, I grew up here in Massachusetts, Luke. Oh, I thought you were. How long we been working together for? Crying. I was born in Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, same thing.
2: What part? Oh of, my what, gosh! <laughs> what part of Massachusetts are you guys in? Like Central well, Luke, Mass.
0: Yeah, Luke's in Fitchburg, Massachusetts which is north central mess. And, uh, I live in Worcester, which is like right in the middle of the state.
2: Oh shit. I'm, I'm there a couple of times a year. Um, my, uh, my in-law up in Medway. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. And now they live in Douglas. So,
0: Oh yeah. Douglas. That's like 15 minutes
2: down the road. Yeah. 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 We go to, we go to Worcester for dinner. Uh, there's a pub there. Um, like an Irish pub. It's got a huge bar and some vegan things on the menu for my wife and, um, you know, is it O'Connor's? I think it is.
0: Yeah, O'Connor's. That place spot. is legendary.
2: Yeah. yeah, they got a good whiskey flight there.
0: Yeah, yeah they get everything's good there. That's run. It's run by a, a hardcore Irish pub guy. He doesn't yeah. take any crap. You know, <laughs> kind of like sets down the law, make sure he runs a tight ship. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Yes, yeah, yeah, so I'll
2: be down there in a couple of weeks for American Thanksgiving. Um, oh. Hit us up,
1: man. Come in for an episode. Watch Back to the Future 2 with us.
0: Yeah, see, that's like their favorite film. Just to give you the Luke's <laughs> film background here. Back to the Future that's 2 is like the true. pinnacle of filmmaking for Luke. Well, those not films one, are great. See? I don't know, man. I, um, I haven't seen two, so they're going to make me sit down and watch Back to the Future 2. I no. love Back to the Future 1.
2: Phoebe right. Lewis uh, is a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, first of all, they're not the pinnacle of filmmaking for me. I like I do appreciate Christopher Nolan actually quite a bit, and I'll even say this: Dark Knight, one of my favorite movies of all time, and Interstellar. I cry every time I watch it. I think that's one yeah. of the best movies ever made. So, um, and uh, I don't know, I don't know, Mike. I don't know who Mike. I I mean, I don't want to say you're. I love Scorsese. I love all the ones that everyone says. I don't have like a cool
2: like underground guy that. You're a Tarantino guy. I love Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. he's a, yeah. There's so many greats. It's like <laughs> it's hard to uh, it's it's hard. That's a hard question to answer. Like I just said, the two most recent ones I've been thinking yeah. of, but Tarantino's up there. Like I I can't wait. There's the idea of another Kill Bill. Oh my coming. god! Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm very excited about yes, that. Same. Uh, who knows if it's going to happen? well
1: you should uh, i mean if you got some some downtime and or even if you're like hey i'm at this bar me and michael come out oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, we'll come out we'll have a little whiskey i'll bring some hash sure yes (laughs) um one quick thing i did want to touch on um i love your website it's great um and uh i love the way it's set up You, you like you were talking earlier about time and space those are literally options to click on on your website, which I think is, is, is pretty cool. It's adamckvolick.com if you want to check out uh, all his stuff. But uh, you've obviously not only worked with Neil, you've worked with a bunch of other people, including um, Emmylou Harris. I
2: think I saw Justin Timberlake on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a Demi production. I was uh, the on-stage camera operator for nice. uh, his Netflix special. Oh,
1: sweet. The Tennessee one, right? Yeah, JT and the Tennessee Kids. Nice. That's cool. Um and then I also saw you did a bunch of stuff with the Great Lakes Swimmers who are
2: incredible. So. Yeah, he's my neighbor. He lives around the corner. Oh, for real? Me. And uh Yeah, we're we're uh we're good buds. We've been working he's he's without a label right now. So for the last well just before the pandemic hit, we started um on a project and then through the pandemic, we've kept it going. And um, he's a great friend and a great spirit and, you know, like uh, Tony's school. Tony's, uh, Tony's and it's like it was a chance meeting, too. He lived around the corner from me for some time. And I did this show of my local, like, blurry uh, photographs that I do and to promote it. I handmade postcards for every mailbox at the, at the (laughs) post office down here. And he got it and like half of them came back because people are like, no junk mail. And I was like, this isn't junk mail. (laughs) 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 Everything, every one of these took me 10 minutes to make, but um, he, he got it and was like, wow, this guy really cares about this. So he came to the open house where I had, I had all the photographs up and he brought me a mix CD um and it, it was Great Lake Swimmers' greatest misses.
1: <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. It's like Joni Mitchell. <laughs> that's great.
2: So and we've been we've been friends ever since. I've done a bunch of record covers for him and a few videos and and uh, and we have this longer form documentary thing we that's starting to turn into something. Um,
1: oh, that's I'm awesome. I'm sit,
2: sitting in on a mixing session with him and the engineer is a good friend of mine too
1: oh that rules yeah that out al- the album i can't remember the name it's like on on G E something uh, i don't even know how to pronounce it but it's the one with your rocky spine yeah fucking love that album man it's good stuff. oh yeah
2: nice so i'll let him know that uh he's got some fans in
1: massachusetts perfect yeah that's really the whole reason we wanted to do this was so you could, uh, <laughs> let the guy from the great lake swimmers know that uh uh, the guy from the podcast is a fan, so
0: yeah, we have a whole other Great Lake Swimmers podcast <laughs> called "Long May You Swim."
1: And, uh... um, we are our next album. We're running into is "Psychedelic Pill," and there are some songs that made your film, made Lenoise the film, uh, so that ended up on "Psychedelic Pill" and not on the album Lenoise, which I think is pretty interesting. Like "Born in Ontario," I think it was mm-hmm. "Twisted Road." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was another one. I just can't remember. Um, but that's kind of cool that, that that psychedelic pill is easy. I, I've been listening to it all this week and a little mm. bit of last week. And it I, it's become kind of top five Neil albums for me. Wow. So it's interesting that he's had these songs even back. And I know it wasn't well before psychedelic pill, but it was many years before that became an album. So
2: mm-hmm. I don't know. I I like that. Well, you know, his whole thing is that like things just keep rolling around and coming back and, and with all the new archive releases, um, that have come out of, uh, you know, Florida and, uh, Mm. um, what was the one? There's so many, uh, but you know, those things are rolling around in his head all the time and, and, uh. I think it was Daniel that was like, I don't really feel like these songs belong with this other work emotionally. Mm. Um, but Neil wanted them included in the recut of the film that we put out um, in, well, whatever it was, 2019 or 2020. Uh, but he, so he recorded them with the horse and, you know, they took on the the horse vibe. But yeah, Ramada Inn is uh, one of my all time favorite tracks. Yeah. Like I yeah. shot. It's the first time I toured with him. Was uh, in support of the psychedelic pill. Oh, really? Um, uh, the uh, the alchemy. They were all running around on the stage at the beginning to that Beatles song. With you know the whole crew was dressed like what, mad scientists. You cut out for us.
1: You cut out for a second, Adam. What was it? The the what? The alchemy Alch- two. Alchemy. Okay. Two, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah Twenty twelve. Um, and, uh, I was going through some shit at that time, personally, um, when my, my first marriage was, uh, sort of busting up in the course of being out on the road. So, you know, um, he opened pretty much every show with, uh, Love and Only Love followed by Ramada Inn. Oh, wow. And it was just, it was just such an emotional ride every night and probably kept me alive just being out there having to keep up with the horse every night um, and oh, man. feeling that like everybody kind of levitated a little bit after, you know, around 10 minutes long or something on that tour. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. I saw that tour also. I, I mean, that was,
0: that was the wildest I've seen Neil. It was like he was like a a 17-year-old kid, like a a little 17-year-old punk kid. He was like rolling around on the stage, you know, and and it was almost, this is at the Boston Garden that year. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it was just a wild show. I loved how, like, there was trash all over the stage. And like he had fans that would blow the trash, and like I remember seeing like a one of the crew just dumping trash in front of the fan so it would just <laughs> blow across the stage, <laughs> and then he had like one of you know the the one of the wooden Indians there, which had its own light and it, like its own spot or something. It just stayed on the Indian the whole time. Mm-hmm. you know, it was just all these little things, oh, you know, I it wasn't like an them. orchestrated. You know, light show or whatever, but it was all these little details that were all around the stage. And, and, um, yeah, that was a wild, wild show.
2: Yeah. It was awesome. a lot of, a lot of fun to shoot. One of my favorite things was, uh, during Walk Like a Giant, he'd, uh, he'd come over to the giant amplifier that was over top of his amplifier and he'd stick his hand in to mess with the knobs on the Excalibur. And I'd, Run around with the camera and go in the back of that giant amplifier, and I'd be pushed up against the screen <laughs> looking through his eye, like going crazy. And then I pull back to his hand, and the strobe lights were going. And I was, it was just so much fun every night. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, that's so uh, cool.
0: You know, Neil, Neil's. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, made a few films, obviously, you know, he's you got Human Highway, you got uh, Rust Never Sleeps, and then uh, Journey Through the Past and stuff. So he, he's got a better understanding than I think most musical artists, I guess, as far as filmmaking goes. And so has he, like from the time you worked with him from Illinois until now, has he ever, you know kind of approached you and said maybe you should do it this way or or has he let you hang back and kind of just do
2: your own thing well um it's on occasion there's been like something he specifically wants me to do um and yeah we have a brief conversation and then I go and do it five different ways so that he's got choices and okay. uh and then you know um uh, but mostly mostly i'm i'm free to fly on my own now i i joke around with friends that i'm um i'm the shaky pictures film school dropout um <laughs> and uh and um so i've learned a lot from that aesthetic uh which is like a kind of anti production um where you do as much with one camera as you can and you use you use organic movements to initiate cuts, and you know, mask time jumps and things like that because it's, it's sleight of hand, sort of. It's like, oh, shiny thing over here, and then meanwhile, you're changing the scene um, hmm. in the in the midst of that moment. So, yeah, I I love it. I love the authenticity that you get from uh, not being overly produced. And I try and employ that as, as often as possible. Um, so y- y- you talk about like, you know, um, I guess
0: self-limiting when you, it comes to production. And so with Paradox, it was just like a,
2: an iPhone. Was it just an iPhone that you guys were using to film? No, no. It's the same camera that I use for uh, a lot of the documentary stuff that I do. Oh, okay. um, so, but it was just one camera. Um and uh, uh, well, the time-lapse stuff was all a uh, Canon 5D Mark II, I think. But um, yeah, that was just one camera, and it was a short script. Um, but we were having so much fun, it ended up being like a almost feature-length movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it, it's it's just fascinating how I don't know the 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 whole you you have the similar you know attitude that neil has of just like capturing the moment
2: content and I think is it's, king yeah for sure
0: yeah yeah and i think that's that's amazing how and you had that attitude before you met up with him you know i think this it, it, it's just fascinating to me that you kind of ended up with him organically you know, working with them like that with the same kind of attitude.
2: Yeah, it is. I, I could have never planned any of this. Like when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, I thought I was going to be a national geographic photographer or something. If it was like, if I was to live out my dream,
3: mm.
2: um, that's what it would have been. And, it had a you know, it's just one situation led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And, um, I've never had to carry a business card or any of that stuff. It's just, I stumble into the next thing I'm meant to do after I finish, you know, after I finish something, I have this anxious period where like, am I ever going to do anything ever again? And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, phone rings. Mm. Hey, here's what we're doing. And uh, I've been just so blessed to lead this serendipitous life. I'm, uh, I don't know, uh, like Mr. Bean or something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Kind of like a, Canadian filmmaker
0: Forrest Gump. Oh, I going to say that, yeah. yeah just run, like Forrest, flip. run, TK. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: yeah run, 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 Adam. I do love how you made like such a kind of a beautiful explanation of, you know, how your, your life and, and your art work together and then followed up with Mr. Bean and then Mike followed that up with Forrest <laughs> Gump. <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I feel like those, those are the people Neil kind of gravitates towards. Uh, We've discussed on the podcast that he's no longer a time-traveling vampire. He is an Egyptian god. So he (laughs) draws these people towards himself, which is why I assume I'll be in his inner circle soon as well. I mean, it's only a matter of time because I'm as cool and as relaxed as – our guest Adam CK Vollock. So, I think that was the point of this podcast in this episode.
2: Well, the cool relaxed thing is kind of a veneer underneath a very insecure <laughs> aren't we all though? But I mask it. I ma- I manage to like stuff it down, but I I've, I've seen a therapist about that. So, I don't know, like, cuz there could be this new angry me that emerges <laughs> at some point in time. Nice. I've I've had <laughs> I have this uh idea for an alter ego that I might I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but I I want to do like a dystopian, anti-apocalyptic thought rap record.
1: Oh. <laughs> okay, where
2: you never, you know, it's like uh, who's that guy with where's the big giant uh, like Mickey Mouse head? Uh, and nobody knows who he is. Uh, oh, dead uh, mouse. Yeah, yeah. Be kind of like that, except um, you know, I want to like steal old country riffs and slow them down so that like find a high res recording and then slow them way down so that they sound like industrial really deep and just segments of, of old, like, you know, forties and fifties country, country music was good. And then, and then to not, you know, like, uh, the whole uh, rhythm track would be samples of like industrial pipe clanging and shit like that build up these crazy tracks. And then, uh, my friend Dana Nielsen, who is the engineer on Mountaintop, um, I might lean on him to, so I, I don't sound like I do because I hate the sound of my voice and <laughs> come up with some crazy vocal sounds and some weird headdress to wear. I don't, I have some ideas about what way, but uh, yeah, I just got, you know, this pandemic has made everybody a little crazy and I just, some of the uh madness I've been internalizing, I feel like needs to have yeah. an outlet,
1: right? That sounds right. awesome. I actually really want you to do that, right? I, I was just I, thinking
0: you should talk to Daniel about that, yeah. Daniel Anwar. That's like <laughs> it seems like it's right in his wheelhouse,
2: yeah, yeah, you know. Well, you know, after his the record he made with Venetian Snares, it's not that far apart from what I was uh what I'm thinking about for the sound of it it's kind of cacophonous and whatnot but like finding the time and the funding to do something like that uh with a newborn right. maybe I'm crazy <laughs> right. but uh, I've been known to be overla- overly optimistic it might be one of my best characteristics but um
1: <laughs> I, I really really want you to do this now no, I, I, really I may need
2: to, <laughs> well I may need to start a patreon or something
1: do like it that. We'll yeah, we'll pl- we'll plug the shit out of it, and then oh, I yeah. mean, also, if you're looking for uh, you know any collaborators, I'm I'll, I'll throw my name in the hat here. I I used to rap when I was 15, so that's I know right. a little bit about that.
0: He was nice. an evangelical rapper.
1: Yeah, that's you know, right. He was on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> what was your did you what did you have a name? Did yeah, you have I a- did. I don't want to tell you though. Oh come on! It was Behold. Yeah, Behold. <laughs> That's smart, yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, right. I and I that's was in a awesome. I, my crew was called uh, Humanity Parade. Oh, oh did, did, it it <laughs> did it cut out? Did it cut out? A little bit. So, but I heard, I
2: heard that's so Humanity
1: emo. Parade. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. We were, we were really, we were something. But you know what? <laughs> Everyone was fifteen. We we did our thing, and I got no regrets. And now here I am. So. <laughs>
0: In a garage in Fitchburg.
1: Yeah, Mike, you right? didn't do anything embarrassing when you were a teenager, did you?
0: Not at all. I was on the straight and narrow. I got straight A's. <laughs> Went to school every day.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, worked my part-time job at I'm the sure. ice cream at the ice cream store. Yeah, whatever.
1: Also, I don't know why people are making fun of you for mullets. Mullets are coming back. Did you know this? What are you ta- you're talking to me? Yeah, didn't you have a mullet when you were a I teenager? Had
0: a, I had a magnificent mullet. It you know, was, that's the thing now. I know, which is crazy. That and fanny packs. Yeah. And I was just like and wearing socks with sandals. And I'm like, everything that I made fun of when I was a kid is like all of a sudden cool now. I don't I don't know. It's I it's almost strange. got one. If I, I had see. hair, I would definitely have a mullet right now though. Yeah. You yeah, rock sick mullet. Yeah. So um Well, now that we're talking about mullets, I think that that may bring this to an end. (laughs) Now that we veered into mullet territory (laughs) with Adam C. K. Vollick here, and uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, well,
2: this this has been entertaining. I'll I'll be tuning in. I. I'm doing some long walks with the baby in the stroller these days. Mm, oh boy. So uh, I get to get catch up on my podcast listening mm. usually like Are You Guys Hip to Cocaine and Rhinestones? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So good. Right. I'm about like a third of the way through the second season now and, and just like <sighs> Owen Bradley yeah. blowing it's, my brain. That Spade
0: out. Cooley episode haunts me. Oh to my god. That's day. so
2: so screwed up
0: so messed up and it's so like not the you know i have i had this image you know of that era of country music and these were scripture reading you know wholesome folks that were out in the road and said thank y'all very much every time they ended a song and everything and that you know this whole uh, you know podcast just blew my brains open about all the crap that went down that's great you know, it was it it's unbelievable. And he does Tyler uh Tyler um what's his middle name? I don't remember. Tyler Co. Mayhan Mayhan Coe, May-Han Coe yeah. yeah. I mean does
1: such a, an amazing job at it too. But if you're looking for another podcast too, since we do usually plug several other podcasts on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but there's uh there's a podcast called Dead Eyes. Have either of you guys heard of this? No. No. It's uh it's my favorite podcast out there right now, but it's this guy. He's was an improv guy in the early two thousands and he got cast in band of brothers. It was like a huge deal. It was a small role, but he like got through all the callbacks and then right the day before shooting, he gets called in because uh, they're like, Oh, Tom Hanks saw your whatever it's called. And it's like, he wants, he, he, he thinks you have dead eyes. So he wants to like re rehearse your, or like you, you have to re rehearse for this. And so he re-rehearsed and Tom Hanks was literally in the room and and he like oh thank you very much and then 5 minutes later they're like oh we're going to go with someone else. Oh. And so all these years later it's like haunted him and so he finally made a podcast about it and it's so it's in season 3 now it's fucking awesome. It's so good. It's by uh I forget his name it's I'm gonna. I'm not gonna try to pronounce it. I'm gonna it's fuck it. three
0: seasons of being fired from a set,
1: dude. But he talks to like <laughs> that everyone. Seems like a lot. He talks to everyone. He talks to Seth Rogen. He talks to like uh, everyone from Band of Brothers. Ron Livingston. He just hasn't talked to Tom Hanks yet, and it's just that's it's like great. us with Neil, right? Yeah. I, if, I I I know. I kind of don't want to talk to Neil at this point. I I I would be too scared. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just he's, kidding, Neil. He's, he 's just a he 's just a guy you know like yeah. he's a guy who's written out uh, what fifty records and made all those movies <laughs> and toured around and all all that but he at at the end of the day he, he's he's just a guy too, so you know, yeah. Um, yeah
1: yeah yeah we'll get, I, yeah we got i, we'll I got starstruck
2: struck when I met Sinead O'Connor, though really yeah I met her at backstage at Massey Hall in Toronto after uh She was touring that reggae record that she, the first reggae record she made. It was kind of like spirituals. Okay. And uh, I had great seats because, you know, Daniel was a friend of her manager and all that stuff. So I was right up front and there was moments in the show where she'd come off the microphone and her voice would just fill the house. Oh, man. And but I went backstage after it. I like my way through that meeting, and then it was like I sat down, and put my head in my hands. That's really the only time I've ever been starstruck.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I I feel like I already got into it on some episode, but that happened to me with a member of that band Dawes that I love. I just made a fool of myself in a hotel lobby. Just an absolute fool of myself and i don't i don't even care at this point
0: <laughs> have you run into anybody from crosby's like david crosby have you run into him at all in your travels with neil or or, or graham nash or Steven no, stills no. no
2: no never never uh up close and in person okay yeah we're always we're always <laughs> we're we we've been
0: i think a little hard on both crosby and stills
1: more stills i feel like stills takes an unfair brunt yeah of our humor. But we're we're just having fun. We're I would still still as a fuck is amazing. He's an incredible. <laughs> yeah, songwriter. Oh, yeah, an
0: amazing musician. He's yeah, great songwriter, great voice. Just yeah. the stories you read about him are just, you know, just crazy. Yeah. But well, um, yeah, we right. really appreciate this, Adam. Thank you
2: so much, man. Hey, that was that was a fun way to spend a little time uh on a Friday. So, yeah, and, and if, uh, you wanna, for- if you want to
1: if you want to check out any more of uh, Adam's artwork, you can find it all over at adamckvolick.com. We'll post links for this uh on this episode. Um and uh yeah, thanks, man. Hey,
2: <laughs> might you guys know uh my buddy uh Tim Walsh? Um he he's lives in boston he was he's a pretty great musician and producer himself but uh he played a lot with dave bazan back in the day what no i now
1: i want to talk to him i'm looking him up right now he was tw walsh is his handle but he was um what tw walsh lives in boston right now yeah i saw him live when page of the Lion was touring control uh i fucking love tw walsh
2: he was my guest at that um uh that matt or the what's the what's the arena in boston that uh the 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 crazy horse show
0: yeah the boston garden
2: yeah he was my guest at the gardens that night of the that alchemy show wow
1: i don't know him but uh i don't know him personally but i know of him i actually really like his music. And I love, uh, I've been actually trying to talk to David Bazan selfishly. Now that we have a decent following, I'm trying to get him to come on and talk about Neil just so I can ask him about his records.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he's a, uh, he's has kind of, he became, we kind of became a, uh, we became Twitter buddies a little bit after I put out here's is what is, cause he's a, he's a land fan. And, uh, um, yeah, it was kind of like, he ordered a copy of the movie and I was like, wow, it's very cool. You'd like this. Um, And we've exchanged a few messages over the years, but yeah. Oh, that Uh, rules. I'll send him a note and see if he knows about you guys.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll email back and forth, but I'll send, we'll send you some merch. I'll send you some town meeting merch too, like a vinyl, and we'll send you t-shirts and stuff like that too. Cool.
2: I appreciate it. Well, this is, it's been a lot of fun. I I wish you guys all the best uh, in, uh, you know, Chasing down these Neil records one after another, they keep coming. So. I know, it, right? We're, it's it's great never though. gonna.
0: It seems like it's never gonna end. I hope. I, anyway. I hope
1: it doesn't end. I'm having so much <laughs> fun doing this, and it's. Uh, it, it's. It was really great to talk to you too. I. I really, really, really like. I, I. When I said that at the beginning, your film made me appreciate Lenois in a way that I never had before. So,
2: well, when you see, like during, um, Peaceful Valley Boulevard and Love and War and stuff. You know the way he works around the microphone. Uh, in you know, I've, I've encountered people who are like, "Oh, Neil Young, he can't sing." Like, yeah, no, he's a master. He's so good. He's yeah. so good. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I don't. When people say that, they just I don't know. They it's they're not they're not digging deep enough. No, yeah. I don't think they're not they're not getting the the soul that's coming out of there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like Hanson fans or something. But How whatever. dare you, Hanson rules. Yeah, Hanson's all, Hansen's all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> my
1: wife will not be, thankfully she doesn't listen to this, but she loves Hanson and hates Neil's voice, so.
2: Uh, well, my wife uh, was also a huge Hanson fan. It, you know, like, oh boy. it's something that's catchy and well-produced. You know, I, I can't all say, right. oh, that's garbage.
1: It's It's official, Adam, when you come to Worcester... Hit us up. I'll Me and my wife will come down. They can talk about Hanson, and we can talk about Neil. It's fucking perfect. It's official. Yeah, if you got
0: some time, man. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I'll look you guys up. Yeah, it awesome. will be fun. Okay. Cool, man.
2: Have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot. You too. Awesome.
0: You too.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.